You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Hello, I'm Mirella Amato. Welcome to Hot Plate, a post-foodie podcast. This season, we examine the impact COVID has had on every aspect of our food system, all the way from farm to table. We'll look at how things have changed and try to untangle what's going on behind the scenes so that we can strengthen our connection to our food. In this episode, pizza purchasing strategies and human connections. We're talking fast food and coffee shops. Hello, Joshna. Hey, Marella, how are you? I'm well. And yourself? Also pretty well. Things are mostly good. Nice. What was the last thing you ate? The last thing I ate was a piece of uh, carrot walnut loaf. Carrot walnut rye loaf. It's a recipe that I'm tinkering with, and I'm very happy with it. And it's part of my, like, good, good, fibery, you know, health-promoting foods all in one easy medium to take in. So Joshna's carrot walnut loaf is... uh, Carrot walnut rye? Yeah, rye flour. So it's more on the savory side. Mm-hmm. It's not very sweet at all compared to the banana breads and carrot bread and things that you had. It's more uh, just a really good, wholesome baked thing. So is this something that I would have like with a coffee or is it mm-hmm. something I would have to like, maybe yeah. spread something on it? You could definitely, you could definitely butter, butter and crunchy salt or something lovely like that would be wonderful. Okay. But yeah, I'm trying to get good, wholesome stuff in earlier on in the day. Yeah. Uh, to just make sure that what the body needs is in there and then the mouth and the cravings can <laughs> can do whatever they're going to do later on. Yeah, it sounds like it's nice and dense. It is, definitely. Uh, and the bake is, I'm very happy with the bake on the thing. What does that mean? Uh, just like the way the crumb looks and the way the moisture and the density, you know, the way it slices, it's all, it holds together, it doesn't dry out. Uh, it's even bake, all sorts of dorky baking things that I get excited about. Oh, that's cool. I, I'm not a baker, so. Yeah. Uh, what did you have? My, my baking standard is, it turned out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to like push my finger in it to see how it springs back. I'm going to scrape against the side to see what the sound is. Yeah, there's love. Yeah. Lots Got of it. diagnostics. What, what was the last thing you ate? I actually had my first uh, mommy baby meal. Oh, so, hey, tell me about yeah. this. So my That's baby's awesome. now at an age where we're supposed to be eating together. And I was okay. thinking, you know, the things that I, you know, I make delicious, delicious mush sure. <laughs> for my baby, but it's not really what I want to eat. So I found a recipe that was not too offensive. It's essentially a, a pesto. Okay. Except instead of basil, it's spinach. And instead of pine nuts, it's uh, uh, sunflower seeds. Yep. And there's no salt and there's no garlic. But there is Parmesan Ooh. and olive oil. Okay. So you follow me there? No garlic? Um, no. And I decided to go ahead and make it with no garlic. I have used garlic before in the baby food. I know it's doable, but I was worried it would end up too... I didn't know the proportions and I didn't understand this recipe. And my tendency is always to over garlic. <laughs> and the idea so, is that the garlic is just too much for your little one? Raw garlic? Yeah. Uh, the... the the, the amount that I naturally put in there, definitely. Okay. Is because I, I tend to over garlic everything. So I just wanted to try it once without garlic. Got it. And no, but yeah, probably even, the person who created the recipe was thinking it would be too much. This yeah, is what I'm, I'm wondering, guessing. but it's just, it's more like a anecdotal. We think this is too much as opposed to anybody saying that introducing garlic to this 
oh, tummy yeah. or and you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a real it's just like somebody is making that decision right this is not a real listen josh now i still come across articles all the time saying oh i know this has broccoli in it and the babies don't like broccoli and it's just like on what planet do babies like, not do like broccoli that is not garlic do you think they put thing. the garlic out of the food for thai children yeah, yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> it's all nonsense. Um, it's so but funny. in this case, okay. I decided to follow it because I tend to over garlic everything. And the, the one time I made hummus for my baby, I tasted. I was like, "Ooh, we'll see how, how did how did she handle it though?" Fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. A little bit of um, stinky breath when you give her a kiss later on. But <laughs> her favorite thing actually when she's outside is eating chives out of the garden. So she always has onion breath Just put it's, that garlic uh, in there it's pretty adorable. and she'll be like i was raised by a garlic lover this is the story <laughs> it's part of her food imprint that you're building right now it's totally great when she's doing uh, her podcast she can talk about her mom and her heavy-handed garlic use yeah so anyway that was um so so that's the pesto and then you just make a small like a pastina a smaller pasta mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is the cool tidbit which i love and i'm going to keep for i'm going to find other ways to do this um before straining the pasta, you put frozen peas in the colander. Nice. Toss the pasta on top. Nice. It thaws out the peas. Super good. Chuck in the pesto. Solid. Oh, all done. Key move. And um, so then I was able to serve it for her as is. And then for myself, I, I obviously added salt. And it was quite delicious. Um, a little bit annoying to clean off the floor because of the, <laughs> the oiliness factor. Yeah. Um, but it was so nice to, to enjoy a meal together. That's awesome. Time. I'm so, so glad you did that. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Uh, so in our ongoing excitement uh, this season about focusing on the impact of the pandemic on our food industry, today we're doing something interesting. Today we're talking fast food and coffee shops. Yes, uh, right? not our really usual. Think- uh, yeah, not our it's usual. It's not our usual. Yeah, it's not our matter. usual thing. Not at all. <laughs> But this is they they really have emerged as uh, as distinct and they've had their own experience to this. Uh, and it's really I mean, one of the I think what I'm kind of excited about in this conversation is that there's a bit it's really connected to how we behave. Right. There, mm-hmm. There's there was a real sort of over a kind of tennis match balls over the net kind of play about consumers are doing this. So this is the change we're making. You know, they really were that maybe it's cause they're nimble and somehow, you know, in some way, or they were able to, to respond quickly. Anyhow, the point of it all is it's, it's fair for us to acknowledge that like everything else, they took a hit, right? That's true. It is yeah. not a good story. It's generally speaking, this is not a great story. They have taken a hit. It has been hard and harsh, um, but they have also figured out a way to stay afloat and that's yeah. what we're going to talk about a bit, right? They, when others were really like hanging over a cliff and struggling, these folks, uh, are talking about growth in some cases, <laughs> even right. It's uh, they're not, it's not a bad news story all around. So that's what we're going to dig into now. For sure. Yeah. They, they bounced back pretty quickly. What's right. particularly interesting to me though, is that what they did to bounce back is basically what they've always done right right? the main techniques were to close locations that weren't doing well and open locations Mm -hmm. in new areas where they thought they might do better or um in many cases open closed locations that were doing well and open drive-through locations right and i think one of the big strengths of these fast food establishments is that they're a huge percentage of their clientele does either drive through or picks up to go already. Mm-hmm. That habit um, is already there. Right. They, a number of them had online services already. So they did that. 
Um, the other thing that they did was continue to always come up new with new foods. And mm. the big one was this ongoing chicken sandwich. Oh, God, this chicken sandwich. Uh, wars. It's, um, yeah. So We've I don't know if you know this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but McDonald's got into the game. Okay. And uh, the latest announcement, and this is very interesting, Taco Bell is coming out with a chicken sandwich now. Taco Bell is in on the, they want their share of the chicken sandwich market. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, Liz, that also it connects to uh, one of the curious vulnerabilities in the world of the fast food that I thought was fascinating was that breakfast has been destroyed. Yes. Right? By virtue of no morning commute, uh, mm -hmm. breakfast, the breakfast sandwich has taken a major, major hit. Uh, and it, it it totally makes sense. But I think uh, I didn't realize the degree to which uh, it was commuters that were purchasing fast food breakfasts. It makes perfect sense. But I didn't my mind. You know what I mean? I hadn't put that together in my mind like that. But this is clearly the truth. For sure. On the way to work. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, this impacted some places more than others. Right. Because uh, some fast food establishment like McDonald's, for example, definitely has a breakfast offering and some of them lean yes, a little yes, bit less yes. towards breakfast uh speaking of mcdonald's i was absolutely shocked to find out that they uh as of q1 of this year so the first quarter of 2021 mm -hmm. have completely bounced back so they are oh really at a stage financially as if the pandemic never happened. They took a Holy huge, like all smokes. the other companies, you know, at, at the beginning of last year when the pandemic hit, they, they got rocky, but um, it is, it is, I mean, how many other companies have bounced back like that outside that of the fast incredible. food space? I don't, I don't know anyone actually. They're the first that I've heard of that is in yeah. any sort of healthy position. That is they're, amazing. They're planning to open over 600 new stores, in the, uh, new restaurants. I, I'm going to put restaurants in air quotes there. Yeah, indeed. indeed. <laughs> uh, Dining rooms, I think rooms, it's in the let's U.S. Call them that. Yeah, exactly. Next year. And yeah, I think, again, it has to do with um, the fact that people are used to taking it, taking it out. I think it has to do um, also certainly McDonald's had already a very active online ordering system mm -hmm. before. Do you remember... It was like one or two years before the pandemic hit and they had this huge promotion in the summer. They were saying, you know, just go hang out at a park and just totally. pop online and like we'll just, deliver just the McDonald's right to you. Think about egg McMuffin yeah. and it will arrive. Yes. It will magically yes. appear. Yes. So, they, right. uh, so I think that's another reason why they were doing well. And I also wonder, you know, as the pandemic continued and uh, people maybe got a little bit less enthusiastic about cooking all the time and, and more enthusiastic about taking out um yeah and there is comfort and familiarity involved there too right right it's like i want something salty that i know is going to be exactly the way it is in this world that is now you know becoming a more unrecognizable version of itself uh the fact that that cheeseburger always tastes exactly the same way and those fries always taste exactly the same uh is surely something of a lure at this moment i think that's true right that's tapping mm -hmm. into that um, that nostalgia piece too, right? Because exactly a lot it. of people, you know, they've had that since they were kids and it just feels, hey, uh, didn't, there's a security didn't Bell, in eating right, that. Didn't, didn't Taco Bell play this, the breakfast cereal game and, and bring back a bunch of oldies, right? Didn't Taco they bring Bell, they have been dizzying. I, I started looking into it and then I had to stop because it was okay. so 
confusing that first of all, so they did bring back old favorites, one of them being the quesalupa, which the is quesalupa, as if okay. a, it's a quesadilla and a, a chalupa a that had a, a chalupa that had a baby. It's like a cross section okay. of those. Two th- anyway, but basically, it seems that what ta- so yes, they did bring back old they that's from 2016 or 17 right um but they did they played this crazy game of putting things on the menu and then taking them off and then people would clamor that oh mom where did this go and oh, then they would put so it back on the menu to, and then oh, they would wow. let's revive this old favorite and like let's take this off the menu to accommodate it and then people want that and it was just like this constant back and forth but it's it served them well because they too have bounced back very nicely Whoa. they're not doing quite as well as mcdonald's but they've bounced right back and i think that you can't underestimate that nostalgia piece. Oh, you know, this reminds me of a conversation that I just had uh, with somebody on, a, on another podcast, actually. And this woman was a neuroscientist with a focus on smell and its food mm-hmm. connections and a gastronomist. She was a super interesting person to talk to. And considering I'm a chef who can't smell. But one of the things that just came sort of floating out of her mouth was that nostalgia produces or provides us with or connects us to self-esteem. And that like, yeah, so nostalgia connects us to self-esteem. So it's not just that it takes us back to a time that in our lives that we, you know, that was better. It connects us to a version of ourselves that we like more. Right. right? Or a version of ourselves that we feel good about. It's 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 grounding in an audience. Yes. Yes. Isn't that wild? I hadn't, I had never put that together. I just thought it was like, I want to go back to a time when I was a kid or, you know, when someone else was in charge of all the things or whatever. Yeah, that's more what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. Not that, that produced. When someone was taking care of me. Exactly. That produced a better sense of myself. Right. As a child, I had a stronger sense of myself and who I was in the world because my parents were there and life was, you know what I mean? There was sort of structure and care and comfort. Uh, that wow. is, it makes, it really fits. It should be noted that, uh, that a slice of that is also the fact that cannabis use is up 600%. <laughs> let's not, yep. let's, let's be real. Yep. Okay. Let's be real about what's happening. The fact that cannabis use is up that high and you can get the, quesalupas delivered right to your door uh yes. is a it's a very easy easy option the other thing that uh has been a pattern throughout and it's very interesting to me because i'm sure this is really appealing to the 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 higher ups at the fast food companies and they're trying to figure out how to make this last is there's um people might be buying less frequently but it's bigger ticket sales so people are buying oh. you know more food at once and okay. here's one thing that i read that I don't know. This it, it struck me, um, and this was a, a representative from Domino's Pizza pointing Got out it? that people, when they order their pizza, they are ordering larger amounts because they're planning for leftovers. Okay. And I guess it struck me because I don't know any other way to order pizza. You know, like when I'm ordering pizza, I want it for dinner and then I yeah. want it for for lunch the next day. Because the whole point of ordering pizza, pizza is that right. Uh, that it's two meals worth of food exactly that's how you order pizza so it's really fascinating to me that this this was like a new thing for some people and it's uh, just right it's like that story about people learning to make lists to navigate the grocery store you're like how have you all been living all this time what has been happening here people yeah but i think it speaks to the it speaks to the impulsiveness of fast food though yes Um, and maybe to the uh, the cannabis piece that you were talking about earlier right where people are just like oh i'm hungry now there's nothing in the house. Let me just grab a pizza. Quick, easy, and, reliable. Yeah. You know, and now that 
there's the extra step back of, oh, tomorrow I'm not going to be leaving the house. So I'm not going to be grabbing my normal food that I normally eat. Maybe I should also plan for tomorrow. KFC bucket um, meal. Exactly. All right. Is it just me? There's no other way to order pizza. You got to uh, agreed. I'm with you. I'm with you. Plus that way you can get two different kinds. I'm greedy as well. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Why pick when you can get two and have half of each for dinner and half of each for lunch the next day? That's it. So now we're getting into coffee chains. Yes. And unlike restaurants, uh, sorry, why do I keep saying restaurants? Unlike fast food establishments, (laughs) um, they're not necessarily doing as well i think probably because of that that foot traffic right breakfast is a huge it's got to be connected for sure to the commute and also yeah yeah, the the commute piece i know tim hortons is has been down since the beginning of the pandemic and they're still very much struggling that being said i'm pretty sure they were struggling before the pandemic well there was this there was a level of saturation of coffee shops uh particularly sort of on the paths of various commutes that to me mm-hmm. seemed quite unsustainable right uh, right and so this i think has just sort of toppled that but something uh like something that i think is fascinating is that overall people are drinking more coffee right? really it's, yes people are drinking more coffee the coffee chains themselves have taken a hit but but like grocery sales of coffee and independent like roaster, you know, people sort of buying pounds and bags of beans online and that sort of thing has really boosted so much so that I found a piece that said that like some 40 some percent of Americans purchased new equipment to make their coffee at home so they could froth the milk or pull a shot. Or oh, whatever wow. It is. Right. People were very serious about like, okay, we're going to hunker down, but I still need my macchiato. And so they bought a machine uh, to pull it all off. So so I even read something, Morella, that suggested that the boost in coffee sales uh, and coffee Uh consumption has leveled out the reduction in alcohol consumption over the course of the pandemic. Right. That what we potentially what has not been consumed as booze has been put right into being consumed as coffee so there's been a huge increase huge big time because people are at home they're working at home they're worrying at home i think that's Mm got to have something to do with it there's sleeplessness you know uh, sleeplessness just as part of having covid itself there's you know sleeplessness is part of it but then just sort of living in the madness of this world um and so we are drinking a lot of coffee and yet the coffee shops, not necessarily not doing that Not so great. much. Not so much. Uh, so what are we seeing? So for sure, they've, the, the, breakfast, um, the breakfast commute hit is alive yeah. with the coffee shop folks. Um, and here in Canada, Tim Hortons and Starbucks are perhaps the largest players across the country. Um, and so they've both really taken hits. Although our friends at Starbucks seem to really be pushing all sorts of of other ways for people to get their hands on their half calf skinny latte. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did some snooping around and Starbucks was certainly very much struggling at the beginning right. of the pandemic, depending on sources, they lost somewhere between 600 and 900 million in okay. that beginning phase. So okay. I think, 
I think that's enough for for people to pay attention, the the people working uh, at Starbucks. Um, That being said, by the second quarter of this year, so 2021, they have made a full recovery in the U.S. I think there are still other parts. This is an international chain, so there are still parts of the world that are doing as well. Um, But they've been extremely strategic. uh, And I have to say, I'm not, I wasn't thrilled with Starbucks to begin with. Full disclosure, I am not a fan of Starbucks. For the benefit of our Um, listeners, give us a short list of the objections. Yeah. Uh, Oh, of my objections? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was was that about? I want to know where you're coming from here with this. It's not for the reason that most people might think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if you remember this, Joshna, but when Starbucks first moved into Canada, instead of doing the sportsman-like thing, and opening across from other coffee shops and driving them out of business. What they did was they bought the lease out from coffee shops. So they approached... They really like consumed um, and colonized somebody and just took them... They approached the landlords of all the popular coffee shops and offered to pay more for rent. And I was away at school at that time. Mm -hmm. So for me, the way that manifested is I came back to Toronto for one, one of the holidays and every single coffee shop I went to from like my nice fun coffee shop that I would sit in for hours to have a latte to like my grungy you know 2 a.m need a pickup you know percolated coffee shop all turned into Starbucks they had turned into Starbucks and the little piece of me just said you're not gonna get me Starbucks I'm not gonna (laughs) just just because you taken over all the places I used to. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fall for that. That is not acceptable. So, so a, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And B it, because there was such a range in these coffee shops, you know, the coffee shops that they took over, it really highlighted for me. And this was a huge problem in Toronto for many, many years. Like you could not get a coffee that was not a Starbucks coffee. That no, but that's helpful. I just because because it's like it fits here, right? Yeah. With this sort of the corporate presence and chomping up, you're literally chomping up your competition, uh, right? To, to the fact that we saw um, Blog To, which is sort of a, sort of a local uh, brag or uh, you know um, blog, obviously online was uh, had lists of 38 Starbucks locations in the city that were closing within the next few days. Yeah. Uh, right. So like it's this, this but, notion of, but that's pre pandemic, right? So is, Starbucks had already decided that before the pandemic. Yeah. Well, this, the piece I shops. saw actually was like May of last year. Okay. Right. So it is, there's gotta be some response because even just here in Toronto on the path, which is the sort of underground walking system underneath the, you know, the, the financial district, uh, commercial district, um, all of those little, cause people aren't walking, you know, those halls to yeah. go to offices. All those that makes sense to me that all those little ones would close, but this is like it just makes sense because the Starbucks issue is like a real estate thing, it has less yes. to do, you know what I mean? Less to do necessarily well, about selling coffee and more to do about real estate. So tell me more. Let let me talk you through. Okay, what they have been doing. So, um, first of all, our, this is a pre-pandemic situation. They decided they were going to close a number of establishments okay. and really focus on. Uh, um, new establishments that have drive-throughs and in some cases establishments that are just drive-through locations. So that okay. was already um in the works and what they've done now in the pandemic to recover uh, those 6 to 900 million that were lost <laughs> yeah. was really really focus on online ordering. Right? 
Um, and they hit this little, I was, I, 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 I laughed out loud actually when I read this because, um, with their drive-throughs in particular, the issue that they're facing Starbucks poor them is, uh, is challenges because, um, they're, they're not able to speed up the ordering process due to the increased complexity of their drinking menu. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Which speaks to what Starbucks has become, right? Their whole thing is all about, you can customize your Mm -hmm. coffee to whatever you want. You can make it, uh, you know, just tell us anything that you need. And um, so I read this really, really telling article in The Guardian. Um, that was from the the point of view of the employees of Starbucks. Okay. And what they say is that uh, they're now being treated like coffee-making robots. You know, Starbucks yes. is all about, like, we have baristas right. and we make baristas. But they've created this situation where people are able to order with as much granularity as they want, right? Mm-hmm. But now these people are ordering either uh, pre, uh, ahead of time through the app or in a drive-through situation, right? And the okay. poor barista has no way to confirm the order or to clarify yes. any piece of it. Meanwhile, um. they're asking, being asked to pick up pace, but make you know three to twelve alterations to every single drink they're making. Then, if they mess it up even a little bit, they're facing irate customers. And it's just this incredibly overwhelming situation for them. It's really not fun. And on the other side of things, I was not even aware of this, but did you know that there's a whole TikTok movement about Starbucks drinks and how to, how to customize the perfect Starbucks? Oh no, I didn't. It makes sense, but uh, it makes sense, but I did not know. Okay. it's in it's insane. Wow. In this article in The Guardian, they were talking about this poor barista in LA who got fired for complaining about an order that they received where there were 13 modifications no. on one no. coffee. No. no. So so now, I mean, it almost seems like Starbucks doesn't care that their locations are closed because everything's going online, everything's yes. becoming drive-through. Um, their poor, their poor employees have gone from, you know, like, let me write your name in a goofy way on your cup mm-hmm. and let's have a little chit chat about what you want to, you know, these coffee making robots. And to me, it just, it feels like an Amazonification of Starbucks. I think, I think it's entirely the truth. Something that I've found really irritating because I have actually been into, uh, a Starbucks, uh, location is yeah. that the way they have sort of folded the online ordering in, it forces the the folks behind the counter, as you say, to take all of the orders in at once. So I am potentially standing behind, in line behind three online orders that I don't know about when I walk into that cafe. Right. Right. And that to me, that made me livid. Right. I was like, I took the time to get out of my house and come down yeah. and walk in and I get here and I order a latte, but I have to wait for you to produce three drinks for nobody that I can see. Yeah. Uh, before you're actually going to make my latte for the person who was standing here because there are three people who are going to breeze in with their cars because they order their drink online. I was like, I was like, I'm not. So I'm there not, you go. Now that barista is dealing with your anger, they're dealing with the anger of the drive through people who might yes. have put in a typo in their order and now they're blaming right. it on the, the barista. And you know, this is, this is COVID times, yep. you know, energy, uh, emotions are high and yes. people are looking, f- you know, when they, I'm sure 
that when they're going to Starbucks, they want their exact precise drink that they, you know, of like, because it's like because this craving that they're, yes. you know, um, it's just, it's just really horrible to see, but it, you know, as I mentioned, they're doing okay. Um, so the, the tactic is working. I just feel like, you know, the first thing Starbucks did was redefine what coffee is by turning it into this, you know, pumpkin spice pumpkin spice drink you know and now they're redefining what a coffee shop is by making it this online experience and here's a quote that i I just had to share with you because i i read it four times this is from the the ceo of starbucks um from april 2021 and he says uh that starbucks is positioned for the inevitable great human reconnection come on it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's just firing words off into the air. It's total nonsense. You know, if anyone's poised for the great reconnection, it's all our local coffee shops. There we go. Who have found all the Starbucks nearby them have, are closed and yep. gone. And now they have this opportunity to bring the community together and to, you know, recapture that, you know, when you go for coffee, it's not, sometimes it's just for coffee, but often it's also just to say hello to a familiar face and to... You all know, the to first sit down dates. for a minute, to take a break, right? Happen, right? <laughs> Where's all the first dates going to happen? Okay, Mirella, what have we learned from this? Well, I think the main thing we've learned is that fast food establishments are really resilient. Hmm. You know, whether it's their, fi- the, I mean, the the amount of money they have, uh, the fact that they are really able to open and close really quickly because right. all of their layouts are very cookie cutter, and they, you know, between drive through and uh, online ordering, they just seem to have bounced back pretty quickly. Yeah, I also think the the cook and the chef inside of me. Uh, thinks that this also might be about the fact that their ingredients are not as perishable, right? And that oh. their potential is more of a warehousable supply of these things that can just sit on skids until they're required as opposed to a produce that has to come from a farm or milk that has to, you know, and and those types of things. So I think that their ability to just to to pivot and change and move around is because of their, their warehousing strength, uh, because it's largely uh, non-perishable right. or frozen. The food you know, is just all food. frozen and yeah that makes yeah, sense yeah yeah i think yeah. that's definitely part of it okay and dear listeners we have an important call to action for you and that is to remember our local coffee shops uh they continue to need our support uh and as the world is opening up and we're all getting back to you know different routines and schedules take a moment to connect at your local coffee shop slow down uh connect with people um and really think about who you want your community to be if you are enjoying our podcast, please support us at patreon.com slash hotplatepod. Hotplate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Please consider leaving us a rating or review. It helps others find us. You can follow us on Instagram at hotplatepod. Follow me at Virology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hotplate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne original music by her brother. Thanks for listening.